Well, let's go ahead and get started. So good to see you here. Man, love the buzz of excitement. Everybody chatting, 105 degree temperature doesn't phase us, right? Like, so good, so good to see you. My name is Michael, I'm one of the pastors here. We got our elementary students with us this summer, and so uh, Janice Nario has been creating a guide for our elementary uh, children. So if, you, if your children aren't taking advantage of that, there's even some old ones from other weeks, they're fantastic, so be sure to grab that. Also, I can't stress what uh, Holly and Roberto were talking to us about enough on the brainstorming meetings. Like, man, this is the time, right? As a church family, we acknowledge, like, we're going through some transition. We took that to our church family. We're like, what do you think? And everybody was like, let's do it. I'm in. Let's go. Well, now's the time. Here's the rubber hits the road. And so we just want to invite you to come. I'm not going to be there. Roberto Moctezuma, uh, who, who did announcements, he's going to lead the meeting. It's about Kids Village today. If you, even if you don't have kids or you don't ever plan to serve with kids, like, that's okay. This is just the time for us to contribute, right? And I know I know it's a busy time. We're in the city of Austin. It's a busy city, right? We always have. I got errands to run. Kids need to take naps. Who cares? Like, just come. Like, that's how we started the church. Like, I remember the Brownings and us. Our kids were like one and three, the Rogers, the Paras, and kids just cried. Like, naps didn't happen. But, like, that was the, what it took to get North Village Church started. And so that's the season we're in. Like, if we're going to thrive through this transition, man, please, please respond. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians today, just like they told you, talking about spiritual gifts. Up to this point, we saw chapter 12, just saw a general overview of the spiritual gifts. Chapter 13, the primary purpose of those spiritual gifts. And then this morning, uh, we're going to see how do spiritual gifts work themselves out in the context of a worship service. So it's going to be very practical for us uh, this morning. First uh, Corinthians, just like they said, it's a, it's a letter written in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth, and they're arguing about spiritual gifts. Uh, because in the context of this chapter, there's, there's one group that's very skeptical of spiritual gifts. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You're like, what is the spiritual gift you speak of, right? We're not too sure what to think about it. It sounds a little abstract, sounds a little mystical, sounds a little crazy. I don't think so, right? There's one group of us that are like that, right? That's in our passage. The second group is very excited about spiritual gifts, and it's because spiritual gifts are very exciting, right? I mean, have you seen somebody like share the gospel in such a fluid, like wonderful way that people respond. You could be at a restaurant, you could be at a house, you could be at a worship service. Like that's the gift of evangelism. And when you see it happen, you're like, what the, like it's awesome. Like have you seen somebody just recall God's word? Like it's like Jeopardy. You're just like, stop it. Like how do you, like how many verses are you going to quote? Like did you practice before you came? How are you doing that? That's the gift of knowledge. It's very exciting. Like I've seen eight-year-olds, young children take God's word and lead it to a place of wisdom. And I'm like, what did you say? I'm going to write that down. I'm like, hold on. Like that's the gift of wisdom. And just like what Holly and Roberto were talking about, you're indwelled with the Spirit. You have these gifts. So that's the second group, very excited. And then the third group, which you might be in this morning, you're like in the middle. You're like, I am a little skeptical. That sounds crazy, but it is also very exciting. I don't know what to think. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's jump into it. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'll read. You follow along. Here we go. He says, the Apostle Paul writes, Pursue love, yet earnestly 
desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So if you were with us last Sunday, the Apostle Paul, he walked through chapter 13, says spiritual gifts, they're great, but they're not going to last for eternity. There will come a day where they end. So make sure that we don't lose sight of the spiritual fruit of love, right? And then he gets to chapter 14 and says, yeah, love, but really go after those spiritual gifts. Like you're like, you just said it wasn't that important. Like it sounds like it's like a mixed message. Right? He did that a little bit in chapters 9 and 10 when he talked about food sacrificed to idols. You know, In chapter 9, he's like, eat whatever you want. To the glory of God, do whatever you want. And then chapter 10, he's like, but be careful. Like, don't go crazy. Like, you got to keep that in mind in God's word. It's not an either or oftentimes. It's a both and. And so, yeah, chapter 13, it isn't about the gifts. It's about love. And at the same time, chapter 14, man, we want to know what those gifts are. Look at verses 2 and 3. He says, for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, exhortation, and consolation. Okay, our passage this morning, I don't want to lose you, right? Talking about spiritual gifts. It's not, it's not talents, it's not hobbies, it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, knowledge, evangelism, tongues, prophecy. Our passage this morning is going to focus on two gifts specifically, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. Now, I'm guessing there's some of us in here already, you're starting to feel a little nervous. You're just like, all right, these are the, top, these are the tough ones, right? This is complicated, right? Because I think there's a part of us that when we talk about our spiritual gifts, we want to kind of be very black and white. Like a spiritual gifts are this, it's this way. It's not that, it's not that, it's this. We can do that with tongues, we can do that with prophecy. And I think it's more helpful to see spiritual gifts like on a spectrum, right? Spectrum of like, okay, it is this where it's most clear. And then there's the other end where like, well, I'm not really sure. And then there's kind of everything in between. And so I want to do that with our two gifts this morning. Let's talk, tackle tongues first, right? So on the screen, you see... On the left side, you see Acts 2. It's where it's most clear what the gift of tongues is. And then on the other side, it's not as clear, which is the passage we're looking at this morning in 1 Corinthians 14. In Acts chapter 2, it's very clear. Like, when you see that word tongue, the word tongue in the original language is the word glossé, which is a language. Like, it's a literal language. So the gift of tongues is a literal language that's being spoken supernaturally. So in Acts chapter 2... The Spirit of God shows up, the gift of tongues shows up, and you see people speaking in multiple different languages. Read it on your own. I think it's like 17 different nations, and, 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 and they're all together in Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden, they're hearing. Like verse 8 says, they can hear their own language. The gospel is being communicated in their own language, so in Arabic, and Mandarin, and Italian. Thousands of people come to faith. It's a glorious event. Like if you're wondering what the gift of tongues is practically, Acts 2 is a very clear example of what that looks like. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum, which is our passage this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and it gets a little complicated. I mean, look at verse 2 again. He describes, as, he, he describes the gift of tongues as speaking to God and speaking mysteries. What does that mean? I don't know. 
I don't know. It's a little more, it's not as clear as Acts chapter 2. If you scan down, this is why we want you to hold God's word in your hand or use the devotional. Scan down to verse 4. Tongues is described as edifying oneself, but it has kind of a negative connotation. And so you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? In verse 5, we see the gift of tongues needs an interpreter. That's going to be critical. That's consistent throughout our whole passage. If you're speaking a foreign language, right, the, the idea is if we're gathered for a worship service, there's somebody who's interpreting what is being spoken so that the body of Christ can be edified. If you keep scanning down, verse 14, there's a reference to speaking in tongues as praying in the Spirit. And again, what does that mean? It doesn't tell us. And then you take all those questions and you combine it that 1 Corinthians as a whole is a letter of correction. So the Corinthian church, we're not picking on them, but they're probably not the church that we want to model our faith after on a daily basis. And so that creates a lot of questions. So I just want to encourage you, as you wrestle with spiritual gifts, there might be a part of you that wants to say, it's absolutely this, it's not that. And I think it's more helpful to see it all on a, on a spectrum of like, okay, this is very clear, this is a little more fuzzy, and then there's a lot in between. Like, I think there's people, through the gift of tongues, they're able to pick up a foreign language, like, really easily. Like, I remember when I was in college, I, I went to live in Germany to work with a pastor for three months. I had studied Germany for two years at the university level, and then I lived in Germany for three months. And then as I went to that, uh, on that trip, I invited a friend to come with me. He hadn't studied any German, and then he lived in Germany with me for three months, and by the time we left, everybody thought he was German. <laughs> I hadn't progressed at all in my German, and everybody thought he was German. It was so annoying, right? And today, he serves as a missionary in Austria, like I think there are people through the gift of tongues, they're able to pick up languages all for the glory of God. So that's the gift of tongues. Let's talk about prophecy. Again, prophecy. Prophecy is proclaiming God's word. And so on one end of the spectrum, it's super clear. Old Testament prophets, Old Testament prophets like Isaiah, Joel, Jeremiah, People who said, thus saith the Lord, it was recorded as God's word. That's prophecy. And then at the other end of the spectrum is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where if you go back to verse 3, he describes, look at it in verse 3, prophecy as edifying, encouraging, and comforting the body of Christ. So you have a kind of a spectrum of how that gift is being put on display. So that means today, right now, as I'm speaking God's word over you, there's a measure of prophecy that's taking place. As you leave here today and you go to eat lunch and you talk about God's word and you speak God's word over one another, you notice some discouragement, you notice some confusion, and you say, no, 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 God's word says. When you do that, you are exercising the gift of prophecy. When you sit in a small group and you study God's word and you say, this is what God's word says, that's the gift of prophecy. When you pray over one another, one-on-one -on -one at lunch, you notice a, a, a disheartened person that's sitting before you and you say, hey, can we just pray real quick? And you pray God's over that word over that person. You are, you are exercising, exercising the gift of prophecy. Does that make sense? Right? There's a wide spectrum. We want it to be black. It's a wide spectrum. That's why 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Do not despise 
prophecy. Right? Do not become disgusted with prophecy, but we are to test prophecy. How do we test prophecy? Well, when somebody speaks over you, like, hey, be encouraged, we're filtering that through God's Word. When we're exercising the gift of prophecy, it's either God's Word or an idea of God's Word, and it's all with the intent of building up the body of Christ. I hope that's encouraging for you this morning. I mean, even if you disagree, you're like, I don't think that's what the gifts are. Okay, we can keep talking about that, but we're not going to be able to walk away from whether it's the gift of prophecy or tongues or any of the spiritual gifts because the predominant theme through our passage is it's to edify, it's to build up the body of Christ with God's word. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church, encourages the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongue in tongues, but rather that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, right? So that the church may receive edification. We gather as a church family. That's why you're here this morning. And no matter what you think about spiritual gifts, no matter what group you're in, Jesus has invited you into relationship with himself. You've been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You've been given gifts for the purpose of edifying, of strengthening, encouraging the body of Christ. When you showed up this morning, when you walk into a worship service, like we all get a little nervous when you come to a worship service, right? A little, like if we're honest, especially if, it, if you're a new visitor here this morning, especially of just like, am I dressed the right way? Like, how do these people dress? Like, are they going to sing songs that I like? Like, I hope they sing the song that I like. What's he, what's the, what are they going to talk about? I hope it's something that I want to talk about, right? These are questions, you know, that we have. Is the coffee going to be made the right way? You know, like, what are we doing with this coffee? Why is it so cold in here? Like, these are questions we, we talk to ourselves. Like, we're very nervous, but like, what God's Word is teaching us this morning is that when you show up to a worship service here at North Village Church or any local church that proclaims the name of Jesus, it's not about what we get, but it's about what we give. Right? That's, what, that's why we're here this morning. Contrary to the consumerism that we've been taught in our culture today, like we are not here to get. We're here to give. That's why I came up with this phrase for you. Nwig bwig. <laughs> it's not what we get. But what we give is wig wig. You're thinking about, oh, where's my wig? And I'm like, no, 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 it's not about your wig, it's about your wig, right? <laughs> All who are in Christ, right? We walk in here this morning, Romans chapter 12, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Wig wig. It's not about what you get, it's about what you give. So you, show, you, don't, you don't stroll in late. It's okay if you're late today, but you don't want to get into a habit of going in late because you're like, I got something to contribute. I better get there early, right? There, there are people that I need to encourage. There's people I need to pray over. There's people I need to catch up with. There's people I need to talk to. There's things that need to be done in the worship service. Like I have, th- I have contributions to make 
Nwigwig, right? It's all about what you give. And I get it. You can push back that on that this morning. You say, well, Michael, I'm only 13 years old. And if you profess faith in Jesus, you've been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You have a powerful gift to offer the body of Christ, to strengthen the body of Christ. Yes. Well, I, well I, I'm kind of busy. Okay, doing what? Right? Like, I, I, I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't know the Bible well enough. It doesn't matter. It's not about what you get. Like, no matter where you are in your faith journey, if you know Jesus, you have a gift. The body of Christ needs you to give that gift. I mean, can you just dream with me for a little bit about what would happen at North Village Church if that was the mindset of every one of us in the room? I mean, can you just imagine, like, the aroma unto the Lord as every person in the room in Christ came not to get but to give. Give in such a way that it was aligned with our vision, that we're all moving in one direction to the glory of God. I mean, this place would be popping, right? We have these business meetings today. They're going to start for the next five weeks. Can you imagine the difference in that business meeting? If the mindset isn't like, well, this is what I think I should get. Why don't I get? Can we start doing this so I can get? But as if, here's what I can give. Here's what I can contribute. Here's the percent. Here's it, big, small. Like when it's all coming together, like it just starts popping. Like that's the theme of our passage this, this morning. Isn't that so good? Y'all, if y'all are new, we planned our sermons a year, like a year and a half ago. And this is the word the Lord had for us this morning. I didn't even plan it this way. It's so good. Look at verse 6. It says, But now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? You see the the theme? He's using tongues to talk about, but there's a larger story that's, that's unfolding. Right, it's great speaking in tongues, like, and it's edifying you in the Lord on your own, fine. But when we're coming together as the body of Christ, we're gathering in worship, like we're, we're speaking knowledge and revelation and prophecy and teaching of God's word over one another. Look at verses 7 and 8. It keeps going. He says, Yet even lifeless instruments... Flutes, harps, they produce a sound. If they do not produce a distinct tone, how will it be known what is played on the flute or the harp? But if the trumpet produce as an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? That's verses 7 and 8. He's going to give us two different illustrations, and he's going to use instruments. I mean, I'm horrible at instruments, but we all know. We all know you don't just get on a keyboard and start pushing the keys right? We don't just have somebody get on the cajon and just start banging away. Somebody get on a mic and be like, la-da-di-da. Nobody wants that. That's not beautiful. No, please stop. We wouldn't come for that. But when the keyboard plays whatever they're supposed to play, 
and the cajon is doing its whatever cajon things, and then the vocals come, and then we're like, yeah, you know, Roberto said, I just start swaying. I, I can't stop, right? Because, like, we just know that's beautiful. That's what it's talking about in verse 7. And then he goes to verse 8 with the trumpet. This is all about the body of Christ. You're, you tracking? The trumpet, he gathers the army. He's got to play the right notes at the right time. And that's how the army knows to get ready for battle. But if he's over there just playing regular notes off key at the wrong time, the army's not going to know what to do. Lives are at stake. So there's an urgency for us in the body of Christ. If you profess faith in Jesus, you have spiritual gifts. Learn what those gifts are. And with urgency, find out how they, they weave in like instruments with unison so that they're complementing one another to the glory of God. Look at verse 9. He says, So you too, unless you produce intelligible speech by the tongue, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will just be talking to the air. Do you see the repeated challenge? It's not about, he's talking about tongues, but it's really about all of our spiritual gifts. It's not about what we get, but it's about what we can give. When you think about the gift of wisdom, I mean, is it, is it, there's an urgency. Our church family, I mean, if you have the gift of wisdom, we need you. We need you finding ways to encourage and strengthen the body of Christ. And if you have the gift of teaching, we need you. It's not trying to get you to serve in children's ministry. Sure, there's lots of opportunities, leading groups, one-on-one. -on -one. Like, we need you speaking. Like, I've said under people that can teach God's Word with incredible gifting, and it's amazing. It's so helpful for me to grow and mature in Christ. We need that. If you have the gift of discernment, like, we need you to help us as a church family discern between truth and error when stuff's showing up on social media and in culture of just like, that's not consistent with God's word and here's why. And bah, thank you. Spiritual fruit like we talked about last Sunday. If you have the gifts of, of leadership and administration, like we need you. Like we need you exercising those gifts so that we're more organized, that our communication is more clear, so that we have a greater understanding of what we're doing, so we bring glory to God. Right, you need to know there's a dark side to spiritual gifts. Right, spiritual gifts are things that we don't try. Like You can't try to do your spiritual gift. It just happens. And a dark side of our spiritual gifts can sometimes produce an arrogance. Right, because we're not, we're not trying to be merciful. We're just merciful. Right? What's wrong with you? Why can't you be as merciful and compassionate as I am? Don't you know? Like, we're not trying to share the gospel like fluidly and smoothly. It just happens, and we don't understand. Why can't everybody do that? That's because of our spiritual gifts, and sometimes it creates, it creates a dark side of arrogance in all of our spiritual gifts. So in the same way, like just like God's Word is challenging us, we must wrestle. Well, then how do I express these gifts in a way that edifies and strengthens the body of Christ? Right, if you're gifted in leadership and administration, you can't just walk around taking shots at North Village Church and be like, how come they're so unorganized? This place is a joke. Don't they know this is what, like, you don't want to, like, you got to, because that's what we're going to push back. We're like, well, Michael, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I want to be sensitive because we're mature enough to know, like, and so what we end up doing is we think, well, I just won't say anything. 
I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so I won't say anything. No, that's not the answer. The answer is, how do I say it in love? As a mature body of Christ, we don't withhold that gifting. We figure out, we wrestle with the Lord. Lord, how do I, how do I talk about this? How do I bring this up? How do I unleash this gift? How, do I, how, do, how does that happen in a way that is building up, a way that is in love? Isn't that so good? And we're talking about the glory of God here, church family. That's worth wrestling with. That's worth setting aside time to think about. That's worth seeking out wisdom of how to do that. We need all of our gifts. It's possible you could push back. You could say, I'm really busy. I get it. We live in Austin. Everybody's busy. (laughs) This is a happening city. People move to our city just because they think it's fun to live in Austin. There's always something to do in Austin. Everybody always feels busy. But what I've noticed in all of my sermon illustrations about like movies and TV shows Everybody knows the references. Like, you know every movie I talk about. There's nobody that's like, what movie? I haven't had time to watch that movie. Like, you know the TV shows, right? When I reference social media, I get corrected. We're like, well, technically you said it wrong. Like, this is what, because we, we've spent, like, we all have discretionary time. No matter how busy we might feel, we all have discretionary time, right? And it's not that movies and social media and TV is evil and wicked, it's just, I don't know if we need to give so much of ourselves to it. Because we're talking about the glory of God. And so that we would structure our day and organize our schedule and figure out ways to contribute in a loving way to the glory of God. Look at verses 10, 11, and 12. He says, There are, perhaps, a great many kinds of languages in the world, and none is incapable of meaning. So if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be unintelligible to the one who speaks. You see, it's about the order. The one who speaks will be unintelligible to me. So you too, since you are eager to possess spiritual gifts, strive. That's like sweat. To excel for the edification, the strengthening, the encouragement of the local church. Look at verse 11, that word meaning, right? That none is incapable of meaning. That word meaning in the original language is power. He's talking about speaking the gift of tongues so that there's an interpreter, so that you understand, because there's power in words. You need to understand the words. It needs to be intelligible language. There's power in words, right? You know this. I mean, words capture ideas. Ideas take down countries, like, words are powerful, right? Like, we remember words that were spoken to us in the second grade, right? When somebody said we were pretty or we were dumb, and now we're, like, 48, and we're still like, why'd they say that? Like, we're still, like, years later, we're still thinking about that. Why was Billy so mean to me that day? Like, words are powerful. Therefore, that's what he's getting at. I mean, if our words are powerful, then how much more powerful is the Word of God? Right? That's why we edify, we strengthen, we encourage our church family when we're speaking the Word of God over one another. If you have gifts of, of prophecy, of tongues, of, 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 of teaching, of knowledge, of, of wisdom, like we're not just like 
talking about current events. Like, we're not speaking those things over one another. We're speaking God's word over one another. When you're practicing gifts of uh, compassion and hospitality and mercy, you're not just listening to people and extending a soft heart and a listening ear to just listen. You're listening so that you then can speak God's word over a, a, a wounded soul. When you're practicing gifts of administration and leading and serving, like you're not just busy bees doing stuff. You're exercising that gift so there's order, there's clarity, there's, there's simplicity so that the word of God is more easily to access and respond. That's what we need, church family, from all of our spiritual gifts. I know you agree with this because I've experienced this from you. I've walked through seasons when taking care of my mom with Alzheimer's and her passing away. There were multiple of you who were speaking God's word into our family, listening to our wounded heart. Just a few months ago when we were being accused of of, of, of child abuse with our foster son, Jakeem. We, we didn't abuse him, and all that stuff has been resolved. But it was very disheartening during that time. And many of you were exercising your gifts, applying God's word, and building us up in that time. It's not just big areas of life. I mean, we have young families, young mom and dads, raising kids and changing diapers. Like, that's hard. Like, we need to be speaking God's word over moms and dads. Because we go to work in our culture and we battle the culture of our day in the city of Austin. We need to be speaking, to be caring, to be organizing God's word so that when we go into the workplace, we're strong. It's not a spirit of timidity, but of, but of power, right? Not of fear, but of boldness. And that happens when the the spiritual gifts are being unleashed in the body of Christ. He's talking about tongues, but you can apply it to all contexts of our church family and spiritual gifts. That's why this QR code, like there's three of them on there, but right now, please, like, go home today, scan that, and take that test. It takes five minutes. I did it yesterday. Five minutes. It's just a tool that gives you an idea. Our dream is by the end of August that we would, we would have a, a large percentage of our church family. Right now we have like 20, 20 people who have responded. So there's lots of people that can respond, right, to, to exercise uh, this QR code and find out. Because what we want to do as we go into September is that we would be able to chart it out and that we would be able to know. Like North Village Church is really strong. I don't know. I haven't looked, you know, like of knowledge and evangelism and, and wisdom and and prophecy, and then we would see where we're really weak, like mercy and compassion and administration, and then we were like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I see why those. I see why we're weak and why we're strong in those areas, and then we can start praying, praying for the Lord to strengthen us in those gifts, to give us those gifts, to bring new people with those gifts so that it might bring greater glory to God, but none of that happens if we don't Find out our spiritual gifts and let the elders of our church family know what those gifts are. So please, fill out that QR. Let's jump down to verses 20 to 21. We're going to skip uh, verses 
13 to 19, not because it's complicated, just for the sake of time. And I don't want to, I don't want to rush through 20 and 21. It says, brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. It's an odd quote, verse 21, he's quoting from the Old Testament, and so if you were just to read this on your own, you're just like, what is that even, what, what? Right? And then it's just so helpful to know that verse 21 is a quote from Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. Isaiah is a prophet. And Isaiah is warning the nation of Israel. He said, look, we're drifting from the Lord, so we need to be careful. We need to turn back from the Lord. But Israel didn't want to listen. In fact, Israel thought Isaiah's words were too simple were too childish. They wanted something more complex. They wanted words that were more spectacular. And so the Lord raises up Assyria, a neighboring nation, to come in and to bring judgment on Israel and then to deport Israel into their own land. So when he quotes verse 21, he's talking about Israel being in Assyria, being held in captivity, and they're surrounded by strange lips, by the foreign tongue that they didn't know. So that verse 21 is a warning of judgment. It's a warning of being careful because the Corinthian church was very attracted to the spectacular. They were very attracted to the, to the show, to the wow, to the, to the pizzazz. And sometimes we can do that with our spiritual gifts. I mean, there's some spiritual gifts that are very outwardly exciting on the surface. And you could look at your spiritual gift of like serving, and you could say, serving? Nobody sees me serving. I don't get any attention when I serve. It's all behind the scenes. If I had the gift of prophecy, now that would be exciting, right? And we start thinking to ourselves, I wish I had a more exciting gift. That's the warning of our passage this morning. When we think that way, it's saying that we are to, uh, to, not, to be evil, to not... To, to in evil be infants. That's, that's confusing, right? That we're in, in evil, we're to, to be unaware, like that we don't want to dabble in that, that comparison of spiritual gifts, but we want to be mature in our thinking and that we would rejoice in all the spiritual gifts because any one spiritual gift doesn't do anything for the body of Christ. It's only when those spiritual gifts come together does it become a superpower for his glory. Does that make sense? Let's close out with verses 23 to 25. Verse 22 says this. It says, So then, tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. There, if the whole church gathers together, that's what we're talking about this morning, and all the people speak in tongues, and there's no interpreter, right? It's just confusing. An outside or an unbeliever will say, are they insane? They're just making noises. They don't understand what's being communicated in the worship service. So he says in 24 to 25, he says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted. He or she is called to an account by all. The secrets of his or her hearts are disclosed. 
so that he or she will do what? They'll fall on their face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. That's why we gather as a church family. That's the focus for us, North Village Church, on Sunday mornings. When you see that word convict in verse 24, conviction, it means to expose. That's what we want. We want God's word to be elevated, to be, to be made clear, so that through his spirit, there's conviction. Maybe that's happened for some of us this morning. Our soul gets disclosed. The secrets of our heart become known. Things that we had shut out come to the surface so that we come face to face with God. And that's the goal for us Sunday mornings, in groups, one-on-ones, over a meal, when we pray, when we talk, that God's word is leading place, leading us to a place of repentance. That's what happens in John chapter 4, right? When Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, right, that famous passage, and she's like, I don't know, I have to go talk to my husband. And he's like, yeah, that, that, that's right, because you have five husbands, and the husbands you're with right now is this, not your husband. And her heart melts. Her heart softens, right? She responds. She runs into the city proclaiming the glory of God. That's what we want for our church family every time we gather, right? So if you're hearing that this morning, if, you're, if your heart is being uncovered, right, that's not to bring shame. It's not to make you feel bad, right? That's what God's word does. I mean, Hebrews chapter 4 says God's word is like a two-edged sword. And it's alive, and it's active, and it cuts through the dark places of our soul. Not to bring shame, but to lead us to a place of repentance. And so I want to invite our worship team up. And this morning, we're going to celebrate communion. I want to invite our elders to come forward. Just bring it back to the home screen. I can't find it. Lower down these lights a little bit. We're going to celebrate communion. Communion. If you've yet to faith in Jesus, then we ask you to hold off. But if we, if we have professed faith in Jesus, we ask you to come forward. And you're going to take this little cracker. And you're going to dip it in the juice. And you're going to celebrate the life we have in Jesus. But before you come forward, we want to practice what we learned in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And before you come forward, I want to invite you to reflect I want you to think. I want you to think about all that you've been given in Christ. That Jesus hears our cries. He sees our pain. And he stepped out of heavens. He lived a perfect life. He took our sin at the cross. He conquered it in the resurrection. He's called you to himself. So you are reflecting on the life you have in Jesus, the eternal, secure life you have in Jesus. When you come forward, it's not in your righteousness. It's in the righteousness that you've been given freely by grace, through faith in Jesus. So reflect on that this morning. 
but not only reflect on the past, but also reflect on the future. Right? That's what he taught us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that yes, right now there might be pain, there might be immaturity, there might be hardship, there might be difficulty, there might be struggle, there might be frustrations, but those frustrations are not going to go on forever. That one day Jesus is going to come back. He's going to make all things new. He's going to surround his glory. He's going to seat us at his table. We're going to be with him for eternity. And so you reflect, you lift your eyes to that truth. That hope is secure, not because of your morality, not because of your wisdom, not because of your family background, not because of your decisions, but because of the righteousness you've been freely given in Christ. Won't you reflect on that this morning? And then you come forward and you dip that cracker in the juice and you celebrate. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you have brought the, these men, women, and children that you call North Village Church with the gifts that you've given us. Would you help us to unleash those gifts to your glory? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.